And look who's coming up. of Ultimate Fantasy Sports Daily here on uh, the Ultimate Fantasy Twitch channel. My name is Dean Millard. It is great to have you aboard and a part of the show today. Um, It's that crazy, fun, anticipatory time uh, where you are the night before. Baseball fans will have a hard time sleeping. Players, managers, fantasy owners that are going into the playoffs, especially those in UFLB, they just had their draft, might have a hard time sleeping tonight. You know, at least at least tonight there's something to watch, like, like for professional sports. Last night, you had to resort to junior ranks or exhibition. Who wants exhibition? But there was no baseball, no football, and only preseason basketball and hockey. So it was a, a slip. Maybe it was a night where you just like cuddled up with the one you love and didn't watch any sports because it's going to be a big run uh, from now until whenever. I mean, very shortly, we have the greatest time in sports where you have all four professional big four North American sports going at the same time. Throw in the World Cup in November, I don't know. I think baseball will already be over, but once baseball's over, you get the World Cup. So it's going to be an awesome, awesome time for sports fans. Yeah, it's going to be good. I, I'm really looking forward to the Major League Baseball playoffs uh, for sure. Also looking forward to today's program because we are going to help you out. Ask Andy, the host of Ultimate Fantasy Football Sunday mornings, 11 a.m. Eastern, right here on our Twitch channel. He's going to join us in 17 minutes. Get your questions for Ask Andy in. Use that hashtag, especially on Twitter. We will find it. It's like the bat signal for Andy. Mike Lamato of Dauber Hockey, Sportsnet, Goalie Post. He'll join us at 520. We're going to take a look at new coaches behind the bench. The impact... They might have on certain players, good or bad. We'll also look at some players in some new places. And we'll take a look at a guy who doesn't have a whole lot left around him in Chicago. And I'm pretty sure uh, you can guess who that would be. So that's uh, sort of the stuff we'll discuss uh, with uh, Michael Amato. And in our Dauber Hockey preview, it's the San Jose Sharks today. Very interesting time for the San Jose Sharks. They moved Brent Burns this offseason. 
Obviously, they moved on from Evander Kane last year. What do you expect from the Sharks this year? I think they're going to be in the lines of the Montreal, Ottawa's, um, that are knocking on the door, maybe Anaheim as well, knocking on the door, not probably a playoff team, but can deliver some fantasy value. So stay tuned for that. Plus top three, question of the day, games to watch, and bold predictions on this Thursday. But with the eve of Major League Baseball playoffs upon us, we want to know what two teams you think will be in the World Series. What two teams do you think will meet in the World Series? It is the question of the day. We will drop back on this from time to time on the show. Uh, But certainly some intriguing matchups, especially when you just look at this first round. We're going to detail some of these matchups as we go. But I'm loving the Mets-Padres because one of those teams is going to be so disappointed. So what do you think will be the final two teams in the World Series? I'm going um, Yankees-Dodgers. That might be boring. But having the two biggest markets in the World Series would be awesome. So the question of the day is, what two teams do you think will meet in the World Series? Oh, JP is chiming in uh, with a question for Ask Andy. We will uh, save that for later. But to chime in on who you think will end up in the World Series in our Twitch message board, twitch.tv slash ultimate fantasy sports. So that's where you can watch this show live Monday to Friday. If you are catching it on replay and you can catch it on replay on our YouTube channel, ultimate fantasy sports network. You can also search that ultimate fantasy sports network to find it in podcast form as well. Uh, Okay. Our question of the day out of the way now it's time for our top three and uh, continuing the theme that we've been going with this week as far as nhl awards who do you think will win the jack adams uh and if you don't think coaching matters for fantasy then i want your money because the coach is the guy who decides who is getting playing time And if you're in the bad books, it's not good. I'm really bullish on the New York Rangers right now after the talk with Kyle Hall this week and looking at the young players that they have and the veterans and knowing the type of coach Gerard Gallant is that can work with all of them. Like, I I don't know. You saw the shot of him and Alex Lafreniere the other day with the smelling salts. Like, not every coach does that. This guy gets along with his players. I don't know what happened in Vegas, why it was such a short run there. But I think Gerard Gallant, and I'm big on the Rangers this year. I think he's my number one choice for coach of the year. Uh, Jared Bednar, the defending champs, still have so much talent and a lot to prove. And Tampa proved that you can be deadly in at least two to three seasons. So there's a window for Jared Bednar. And the always present improvement award 
Like, that's what it should be called sometimes, the Jack Adams. But DJ Smith of the Ottawa Senators, I think, is going to get that team so well improved that he will get votes for Coach of the Year. And Pierre Dorian probably gets some votes for GM of the Year as well at some point. So let me know what you think of the top three today. The top three Jack Adams candidates. An Ultimate Fantasy Sports Daily. Uh, that's what we're going with today. And you can chime in on Twitch. On uh, twitch.tv slash Ultimate Fantasy Sports. We are here Monday to Friday. And of course, Andy McNamara has Ultimate Fantasy Football. 11 a.m. Sunday mornings to get you set for the fantasy football week. Lineup changes, what you need to know. But what I want to know right now is what are your top three Jack Adams candidates in the National Hockey League? Who are your top three Jack Adams candidates in the National Hockey League? Uh, I think, I, listen, I, I think that there's probably a lot more than three, but this is a top three, so that's why we're going with that. Uh, and if you feel like uh, you have uh, more, then uh, feel free. Throw them in there as well. Uh, would love uh, to get your thoughts if you have more. Jack Adams, like it's, I, th I think it's always difficult uh, to predict because there's always uh, that sort of disappointment team that you're like, you know what? I thought this guy would be better. I thought this guy would gel with these players a lot more. So we'll see. Send me your top three, top three Jack Adams candidates. And the, the question of the day is what two teams will meet in the World Series? And of course, that, the playoffs anyway. Uh, yes, let me get the obligatory playoffs. Uh, they start on Friday with the wild card round, three game series. All right, uh, so want to address something uh, before we get into uh, the ins and outs and fantasy news and what's going on. Uh, but this is something I touched on yesterday briefly because the hearings were actually going on. The, this, the, um, the standing committee that Hockey Canada was appearing before. But this is having repercussions as I think everybody thought it would. I think people thought maybe Hockey Canada would, in my opinion, come in a little bit more humble. Um, I think I think we really have to be careful about throwing the baby out with the bathwater here. And, you know, there's been a lot of really good with Hockey Canada across the country for men's, women's, Paralympians and everything, Paralymp uh, para hockey and more. There's definitely been some bad. There's, there's, I don't think anybody is denying, and we might hear about more. Should, should changes happen? Yeah, I think there should be changes happen. I, I don't think Hockey Canada, 
I, I think it's arrogance to, to, for Hockey Canada to sit through this and think nobody is going to fall. That just doesn't happen anymore. So what is happening is they're losing funding. Tim Hortons has pulled funding from Hockey Canada's men's program, including the World Juniors. They will still fund women's hockey and the Paralympics, or in, and para hockey. Canadian Tire has stopped all funding altogether. Everything from Canadian Tire, which I think was about $2 billion. I just lost something from the set. Apologize for that. But Canadian Tire has said they are permanently ending their relationship. So, TELUS, Scotiabank, Tim Hortons also uh, denounced, as I mentioned, the national governing body's ongoing resistance to change and extended decisions to suspend their support of men's hockey to the upcoming season, including the upcoming World Juniors. Like, I think people will come back and people will um, return if changes are made. That's what people are saying. Like, you can't undo the past, unfortunately, for the victims. You get to the bottom of it, and you figure out why things didn't happen, and you make changes, and people will come back. Do you have to change the name? Maybe. I don't know. USA Hockey isn't Hockey USA. It's USA Hockey. So you could go Canada Hockey, as the Prime Minister, I think, said. I, I don't know. I'd, do you need to change the name? You might have to. But you, I think you certainly have to make some changes. Not making any changes is arrogance, and... That's just going to lead to what is happening now. So, listen, we all want to cheer on our favorite players, but we also have to be honest and open about what has happened. That hasn't happened, and and I don't even know if... Like, I think more humbling needs to happen when it comes to this situation. Anyway, chime in anytime you want on our Twitch message board. You can also hit me up on Twitter at Duck Millard, M-I-L-L-A-R-D, and you can get us at UFS Network. Uh, okay, so Andy McNamara is going to join us uh, in our next segment. Uh, get your Ask Andy questions in now uh, while you can, and we will be throwing them at Andy when he joins us. Uh, also... Uh, the Oilers released Jake for Tannen from his PTO. I don't think that's surprising. I think the vast majority of PTOs get released. They're just bodies. Uh, I never really felt like Jake for Tannen was a good fit in Edmonton, but no harm, no foul. I guess there were, there was some harm in their public relations, but that is what it is when you make those decisions. You have to be able to live with it. Uh, the Oilers also added Steady Steve to the front office. Steve Steos will become a special advisor focusing on development. He was the president and GM of the Hamilton Bulldogs in the OHL, and he will leave that position. He led them to an OHL uh, championship and a Memorial Cup berth this year. Sonny Milano, this is a bit surprising for me. He was released from his PTO in Calgary. Uh, so was Cody Eakin. That is a little bit surprising. I, I, Sonny Milano had a good season last year, so... I do think someone's going to give him an opportunity. I'm sure Arizona uh, could use a Sonny Milano. 
And if he doesn't get picked up, maybe Jason Robertson can throw a few bucks his way. As Jason Robertson signs a bridge deal. Uh, there was definitely some contention going on, some troubled waters, so they use a bridge deal and they get a bridge over troubled waters at four years, $41 million, $7.75 million per season. He was an RFA. He busted out last year with 41 goals, has 58 in just 128 career games, and is the future of the Stars up front. They needed to get this done. And for Robertson, it's smart because it gives him a chance to hit the jackpot. You know, if he gets 45, 48, 46 goals, he's going to get more money consistently if he does that. And for the Stars, if he doesn't replicate this year again, it's a manageable cap number in only four years. Like, this in two years could look like an absolute steal if he's scoring close to 50. But the interesting point is, and this was pointed out by Puckpedia on Twitter last night, when this deal is over, his qualifying offer will be the max. $9.3 million, similar to what Matthew Kachuk was in Calgary, and uh, the Flames did that one-year deal, and he'll be a year away from UFA status, just like... Kachuk, they'll have arbitration rights. So the Stars will likely try and lock him up in three years to a longer-term deal. But this needed to happen. And for fantasy owners, I know the North Stars and UFHL are absolutely loving this cap number for four years when this guy... Like, I'm serious. This guy could easily, in this contract, score 50. I shouldn't say easily. I don't think it's easy to score 50. That's, that's not uh, the, the correct thing to say. But there's a, I think there's a good potential for him to score 50 in this contract. What do you think? Do you think Jason Robertson can score 50 in this deal? Chime in on our Twitch live stream chat or hit me up at Duck Millard on Twitter. And you can have your say on whether or not you think that this is a good deal and whether or not you think, well, I, I, listen, I don't, anybody who says this is a bad deal, I don't know why. I, I would love to know. But if you think Jason Robertson can score 50 in the four years of this deal, would love to hear your thoughts. I know Cam Turner is probably going to come in with a resounding yes on that one. All right, uh, when we come back, get your fantasy football questions ready for Ask Andy. Use that hashtag, hashtag AskAndy. It's the bat signal. Andy will find it. We will answer your fantasy questions. We'll get to starts and sits for tonight and the top 10 quarterback projections for week five. I had my thoughts on them yesterday. We'll get Andy's thoughts on them today, as well as your questions for Ask Andy. Use that hashtag. We will find you. That segment is coming up right away here on Ultimate Fantasy Sports Daily.
right, it is just about 4.22 in uh, the East. My name is Dean Millard. This is Ultimate Fantasy Sports Daily, uh, where we want to help you win your league. Uh, we also want to help you make your league better. Uh, and we want to introduce you to new and very cool things when it comes to fantasy sports. And uh, very pleased as we do every Thursday, uh, to bring in the man, Andy McNamara. You can use the hashtag AskAndy on Twitter, on social media. He will find it, like the bat signal, and he will have Ultimate Fantasy Football 11 a.m. on Sundays. And um, my man, um, this is week five. When, for you, does the fantasy football season really kick in because because right now it's like jostling and some injuries at what point does the season do you think really really take a serious turn that's a good question i liked how you set it up too dean it's like we will find you with hashtag asking yeah. we're gonna get you it was just a hard point <laughs> i love it we're gonna get you we're gonna get you and we will uh to me really it starts after this week it really starts in week five and it's not just because it is week five but that's how i feel because, Dean, we have seen over the last number of years the preseason become less and less important to the NFL teams themselves. Players don't want to have as much work, playing time, practice because of injuries, etc. So what that means is usually the first month of the season, first four weeks, you're seeing teams and players get to know who they are, get in game shape, and you see some sloppy football. You see it all the time. So really, I think we start to look for trends starting this week so for guys like okay russell wilson who's playing tonight who started to pop a little bit last week are we starting to see a positive projection for him on his new team running back whatever the position are they now as of week five and moving forward starting to trend because too much farther after this once you get to week six seven if a guy hasn't done it for you you got to start cutting bait and you can't you can't be proud you can't fall in love and just stay with a underperforming fantasy asset that's not time to dump anybody yet yeah, that's that's how you lose is by waiting yep. and waiting yep. and then you know never getting it and then you're you're like oh well this this really didn't work out like I mean see, uh, Christian McCaffrey owners at, at this point I mean you are it's sometimes different with superstar players because if they do come back they can make such an impact but at what expense if you if you don't get somebody to replace that guy at some point you might not be there when he comes back and in contention. Yeah, and, and that's the key thing, Dean, because I get all the time questions on Twitter at AndyMC81 using hashtag AskAndy. I get, well, should I drop player X? My question is, well, who are you replacing them with? Last week, I got a bunch of Austin Should I drop Austin Eckler? Like, well, no, because who are you going to replace him with? A, a third string running back off of waivers? Right. No. You, error on the side of the star. Andy, it might happen all year that it doesn't work out. But guess what? You spend a first-round pick on it, you're not getting anything back unless you wheel and deal in a trade. Now, trade mode, you know, see what's out there and see what can work trade-wise. But to just drop a guy, absolutely not. Because, again, what are you getting back in return? And I guarantee you there are players sitting on people's benches, not superstar names, that you're not using. Yeah. Get rid of those guys. Don't drop the stars. It, it it doesn't make sense when you you no. know drop your back 
backup tight end or or something that you that you might have. Don't don't drop yeah. this. Okay, so we're going with the hashtag Ask Andy, and we will find you. We were like Liam Neeson. We will find you, and we we'll will get you. your question. So this one comes in from Paul. He says, with two out. And a couple of weeks. Do I put out a claim for Gino or Matt Ryan? I have Ryan Tannehill on the bench. Isn't this what we were kind of just talking about? Like, if you were going to, like, you, you you have a guy on the bench, why would you go get one of those other two guys? Is my opinion, anyway. I think the guy on the bench is better than both of those guys. Well, it's either, you can either go this way, Dean, for this week. You either go with Tannehill. And Gino Smith, I think at some point this season, you might be able to still stream because, He's surprised sure. me the way he's been able to pop a little bit. This week, however, no. This is this is a terrible matchup for Geno Smith. No Geno Smith. And I would say none of the above, Dean. My answer is none of the above. And I put it out in my weekly Tuesday waiver wire article on Twitter. Fantasy football, the meat on the bone. We get to the, the those waiver wire pickups. Teddy Bridgewater. Teddy Two Gloves. Put the gloves on with them. Get all in with Teddy Two Gloves. Why? Well, let's take a look, Dean. Let's take a look. Do you want to have one of those scrubs that he mentioned, or do you want a guy in Teddy Bridgewater who has been able to prove throughout his career to be a plug-and-play competent quarterback in the NFL and fantasy useful in spots? New Orleans Saints came in, did a very nice job. Panthers last year did a nice job. You can plug this guy in, and he can go. Oh, uh, by the way, the weapons around him are not too shabby that he has to work with. Tyreek Hill, Jalen Waddle, Mike Kosicki. I think I'll take those. Oh, and Dean, furthermore, by the way, after that, you also are playing the New York Jets, who have given up the most, (laughs) the most, literally the most fantasy points to quarterbacks this season. The stars are aligning. Orion's belt is in the sky for you to take Teddy Bridgewater this week. And as of Tuesday, he was available in 98% of most redraft leagues, and he's a steal in DFS too. Get yourself Teddy Bridgewater. And, you know, it's not going to be perfect, but that's the guy who's going to get you 17 to 19 fantasy points, or at least there's a possibility of it. I mean, the, the, for the people that went out and grabbed Cooper Rush uh, at, at some point, and they're not doing anything, this is a much better backup situation and, and uh, you know, tentative replacement, uh, I think, than, you know, Cooper Rush. Yeah. They're, they're, they're undefeated, but you don't, get, you don't get the W in fantasy for the quarterback. No. It's the defense that gets the W for the Cowboys right now. Okay, J.P., on our Twitch chat, drops this in. Uh, Andy, I need a waiver wire quarterback instead of Stafford. Tua, yeah. Mac Jones, he's hurt right now. I don't know if he was limited in practice. Kenny Pickett on waivers. Do I drop Stafford for one of them or drop Brandon Cooks, Tony Pollard, or Pickens? Half point PPR, hashtag ask Andy. This kind of is in the frame of what we've been talking about of if you're going to pick somebody up, who, who's the smart guy to drop? Yeah. Now, now, JP, you came to the right spot, brother, okay? Because I can sense a little bit of panic. I can sense a little bit of panic in, in there, and we're going to settle you down, and we're going to be okay. All right? So uh, we're not picking up Tua because Tua's not playing, and we don't really know when Tua is going to play. He could play next week. He might not play for a month. So, no, Mac Jones is banged up, and Mac Jones is not a good fantasy football quarterback anyway when healthy. Real life, fine. Fantasy, no. Same with right. Cooper Rush. So, again, Dean, I'll say this. I, I bet you Teddy Bridgewater is on the waiver wire. Teddy Bridgewater is the best streaming quarterback play this week, period. Now, whether that actually works out, who knows? <laughs> but uh, everything is lined up for him to have a successful week. 
it, it just makes too much sense. So out of those names, I would choose none of the above. I would select D, and I would go get Teddy Bridgewater and put him in your lineup instead. I like the none of the above. It's giving me Brewster's Millions vibes. Remember Brewster's <laughs> Million, where Richard Pryor had to spend the money and he ran for mayor and none of the above? So it's it's giving me some uh, John Candy, Richard Pryor vibes. I right. like that. Uh, okay, Benoit, ask Andy another dilemma this week. Melvin Gordon the third versus Indiana, uh, or I like to call him, Fumbleitis, or... Harris versus Buffalo. Uh, I'll get to my start sits a little bit later, but what do you think about this one? Well, Melvin Gordon, I, I was very hesitant on early in the week as we were waiting for the health report. Uh, short week, he's been cleared. No injury designation. Head coach said he will be the, full, the, the back to get the workload. Uh, I also, on a side note, I think for um, any DFS plays or anybody looking for a desperation flex, Mike Boone, out of Denver is a great pickup. Again, you know, available in over 90% of most leagues. He's a good one to slide in. Latavius Murray, remember, if you went out and thought you were going to be cute this week, he is not playing. Now, they're bringing up some other dude. I don't think he's going to do much either. But if you are you don't have Gordon and you need that sort of other side, Mike Boone uh, can pop for you. I would go with Melvin Gordon slightly this week simply because with the Kenny Pickett question in Pittsburgh, you play in Buffalo who's really good, as we know. And Najee Harris, in most other cases, Dean, I would probably pick Najee Harris based on volume and based off of if they're going to have a smart game plan in Pittsburgh, you're going to try to get the ball in Najee Harris's hand, whether it's short pass or handing off, to take pressure off your rookie QB. So Najee Harris, I think, is going to have a great week. But with Melvin Gordon being cleared, I think that's the go-to tonight. You do it. And you know what? Also, you get it out of the way. You get your question mark out of the way. And if something doesn't go right tonight, at least you have some time to pivot before Sunday. Okay, so I'm going to give you my start sits right now. And okay. if if I was in fantasy football, I don't, I don't have any of these, it would be a light night for me. Because I'm, I'm not confident in a lot of people in this game. Like, I'm not confident in Russell Wilson. I, I think... Um, Russell Wilson is great, but I still don't trust this Denver uh, offense. They just seem to be all over the place. So the only two guys I really like tonight are Sutton and, and Michael Pittman. I'm, I don't trust Melvin Gordon right now. Uh, I'm on the other side with you on Matt Boone, but stranger things have happened, and, and Matt Boone might end up with a touchdown tonight, and which, which could deliver some points. So I'm I'm all out on most of these guys in fantasy tonight. I might get back on the Russell Wilson train, but I have been disappointed this year in that entire Denver offense, as, as most people I think would have been. Wilson's fantasy stats for the year 17.8 week one 12 9 and 26.98 so that 26.98 fantasy points you think ah russell's figured it out well maybe not because a lot of those points came from a rushing touchdown and four scrambles and that might mean that russ will run a bit more maybe, maybe. or maybe that was a one-off the yardage was up no turnover so that was a good sign he got two, this was against vegas um really depends on your other options like would i rather go Russell Wilson or, you know, we, we talk, or Matt Ryan or Matthew Stafford, I would go with Russell Wilson. If we're talking straight up just in this matchup, totally with you on both quarterbacks. Not interested. Naheem Hines, though. Dean, Naheem Hines, I think, in PPR is going to have a big night because Jonathan Taylor is out with the ankle injury. He's gone. Okay, yeah, that's right. Up. I think Naheem Hines, because, and here's the difference, too. So there's a difference in when – 
you have a guy brought up from the practice squad, like, uh, I forget his name. It's Aziga Bo or something like that. Yeah, okay. I know who you're talking about. Yeah, yeah. That guy just got brought up. We know nothing about what he's going to do for this team. You're, you're guessing. We know what Naheem Hines has been able to do because he's done it before. He's been a complimentary piece. We've seen him in a feature role. Not the best in between the tackle runner, but certainly short, quick outlet passes, PPR, and touches, which gets you points. Naheem Hines, I really like tonight. I think he's going to hit double-digit figures. I'm with you on Philip Lindsay. Um, Melvin Gordon, again, like, I, I would figure if, if you, you got Melvin Gordon, you probably are going to have to play him, like, as an RB2. 100% with you on Cortland Sutton, because even though those numbers I listed with Russell Wilson haven't been great, Sutton has been getting you mid to high fantasy point, mid to high teams mm. in the fantasy points. So I like him. I'm with you on Judy. Mo Ali Cox, uh, Dean, smart sit on this one, my friend. Smart sit. And the reason is everyone's going to be rushing and seeing, oh, I, he had a big, he, he spiked. Mm-hmm. Like yeah. nothing, nothing, spiked. There's still three guys. There's still three tight end committee in Indy. Now, maybe we see the trend continue. Uh, Mo Ali Cox is a heck of a talent. But is he going to be used that way? If Now, right. if we see this week he gets more targets, and now it's a, I'm starting to get into a little pattern, now we can change the conversation. But as of right now, I'm with you. It's it's pretty much Michael Pittman, uh, and for me, Naheem Hines, but that's it. Well, and yeah, and, and, and trends matter. If you see Mo Ali Cox trending up, you know, put him on that watch list that you have. And, and say, you know, I, I might just be down on, on uh, Denver just because there's so many problems and I'm overlooking Russell Wilson. But again, um, he's a guy that I would be, be watching because it's Russell Wilson and there's pedigree there, right? So it's like Aaron Rodgers or anybody. You don't write them off. But if they're not playing well and you have other options, I would go with them. However, if you're drafting Russell Wilson... Uh, it you know he's probably I, I would be surprised if you're drafting Russell Wilson as your backup in fantasy. He's going to be your starter, so it depends. Yeah. Like you said, who you have. Benjamin says trade question half PPR trading away Cortland Sutton to get James Connor. I'm deep at wide receiver with Cup, Pittman, Goodwin, Samuel, and Hopkins back soon. Running backs are Fournette, Herbert, Montgomery. Do you like it objectively? Seems to make sense roster wise. I, and I'll just say, mm. you're, you're, you. Th- anytime I like guys when they trade from positions of strength, when fantasies or, or franchises in any sports trade, if you're if you're stacked at defense in hockey, you trade a defenseman for a forward, unless it's a number one uh, defenseman or a situation like that. So trading from a position of strength is great as long as you're not giving away the best player. Right, I'm with you. Um, and just if we didn't know the rosters, I would say no. Knowing the rosters with the running backs, that is a really thin group. However, James Conner like, has regressed significantly, as expected, from his huge touchdown total last year. One rushing touchdown. That's it. He's hit double-digit fantasy points. Uno time. One. Wow. That's it. So what are you getting when you have James Conner in? Now, could that turn around? Yeah, let's look at the opponents. Okay, we're playing uh, Philadelphia. Well, Philadelphia's defense is tremendous. Hate yes. that matchup. Seattle, they can be still spicy. New Orleans, really good defense. Minnesota's not an easy out. Seattle, again, the Rams, San Francisco. I- I'm not seeing a defense I really like until maybe the Chargers in week 12. And then you have a bye. So the more I think of it, I would probably say, okay, um, you're giving up a guy who's gonna who's been consistently getting you mid to high a fantasy point uh, in the teens. 
Sutton. You can even put him or another receiver in a flex spot. I don't think I'd make that deal. I would try to maybe either get another running back, um, see if they have a, a higher end running back in it, some other mm -hmm. mix in that deal. Because right now, I think you're going to make that deal and you're going to get eight, nine fantasy points each week out of James Conner. And that's not doing much better than what you could get off the waivers. Yeah, and you're giving away a better player who is trending yeah. up in in, in yep. Sutton. So I'm with you on that one. Uh, JP, oh, by the way, uh, Randy says, nice shirt, Andy. Loving the... Undisputed uh, Elite. All Too sweet, elite. brother. Yes, that's just nice. Uh, okay, now J JP says, Miles Sanders, James Conner, Najee, James Robinson, who is such an interesting story, just from the human interest because he got shot in the preseason. Who is your running back one? And would you flex spot any of them over Garrett Wilson or scary Terry? And that was uh, using the a hashtag ask Andy on our Twitch chat from JP. Okay. So I'm looking at this here. So this is the miles, miles Sanders one, right? Miles Sanders, Connor. Yeah, no, this yeah, is, okay, yeah, go. that, yeah, that is one. Yeah. 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 Okay. I just want to make sure I got the right question. Okay. Uh, Who's your RB? Okay, so my RB1 here, you know, I've really liked what Miles Sanders has done this year. It's been surprising. Now, it's always risky because you have Jalen Hurts who can run himself. Um, I would give a slight edge to Sanders. Like, these are all, uh, Connor would be last. Uh, and Najee is going to get the work, but I don't know if he's going to get the volume, the uh, uh, results. So I think I would go Sanders, Robinson, almost a 1A, 1B. Slight edge to Sanders. Um, and then do I go, or would I flex any of them over Wilson or scary Terry? Eh, you know what? I would flex, I would put James Robinson in over Garrett Wilson. Uh, just cause I don't like, I don't really like the matchup and I, I'm not really comfortable with the jets offense. Uh, right now you're playing Miami, you know, eh, I'm not, I'm not too confident. Strangely enough, at times they look better with Joe Flacco in there, which is a strange thing to say in 2022. Yeah. <laughs> I'm with you on that one. Uh, that's weird. Uh, and, you know, Joe Flacco uh, of the past, yeah, but Joe Flacco uh, right no. now, not crazy. Uh, okay, some prop bets that I found. Um, Cortland Sutton, four and a half receptions. Over? I'm gonna, I'll am gonna. i say over. Yeah. I'll say over with that. That yeah. seems like low. That seems low. Four and a half for their number one guy. I guess catches. You know what? He could get six targets and only catch three of them. Well, that's true. Let's let's just take a quick little uh, take a quick little game. And it's receptions, not targets. Yeah, right? receptions. Yeah. Okay. Let's just take a little little look. See here. I okay. think the over. So, so this season for Sutton games four receptions, seven, eight, and five targets, yeah. seven, eleven, ten, and seven. So that's the number to compare. You think with Russell Wilson starting to get a little uh, potentially better and more comfortable, you're going to be still seeing that high target share and hopefully with more receptions. So at four and a half, well, he's beaten that in yep. three out of the four weeks, so I take it. Matt Ryan, uh, 228 and a half passing yards. I think I'd go the under on that. Yeah, and you know what? The Thursday night games, Dean, they're just weird. Now, I know. You know what? As I say that, you don't have Jonathan Taylor, though. Mm. So are you going to be able to lean on the run? You, now, you still could have a bunch of three and outs. Um, you know what? I'll still say under. I think it'll be close. 
Like, I think it'll be a little little dicey. Uh, I'd feel much more comfortable with the under if Jonathan Taylor was in. Yeah. But with, uh, with, with Heinz, who you still might have to do those extended run plays. Let's see. Eh. Yeah, I'll go with you. Ju- yeah, I'll go with you just under. Okay. That's, and that's the last one, Melvin Gordon, 58 and a half under yards, he, rushing yards. Give me the over. Give me oh! the over for Melvin. Let's go. Wow. Let's go. Come on, Melvin. He's st- they, right. like, the coach said they're feeling good. He's getting a full workload. So he's feeling good. He's back. He's ready. Full workload. I think it's I think it's over. I don't think he's getting a hundred, but look, if you want to try to take really try to mix 60, the match yeah. and you know, that's it, it's it's certainly doable. Um, but yeah, it's a short week and even though they removed the injury designation, it still makes me a little nervous, but I don't know. I think we might see it might be one of those games where they try to ease our way ease their way in and you do that by running the football. I'll take a chance then on Melvin Gordon. Okay, uh, Dog Pound Suge on Twitter. Hashtag Ask Angie. Should I drop Travis Etienne? Good question. I understand it. No. James Robinson's still the guy. Okay, still the guy. Travis Etienne, remember, serious injury. Mm-hmm. You follow the draft capital and you follow the money. They invested a lot in Travis Etienne. The touches also were pretty equal last week. James Robinson just had more success. So that's where you got to look at it. Who's getting more carries? We're starting to see a more split. Each each game, more of a split. So I wouldn't recommend necessarily playing Travis Etienne this week, but I would try to hold on to him to see, are we staying at an even split? Does Etienne get better footing, a few little better results, maybe get earn more work? We're still in that limbo here, so I would give it a few more weeks before giving up on Etienne. All right, uh, these are quarterback projections uh, for week five, uh, and these are projections from uh, Fantasy Pros. I, I look at these projections, and I think I might move Jalen Hurts up. I think I might move Tom Brady down, and I think I might move Kyler Murray up. Um, but, you know, if you have any one of these 10 quarterbacks, I think this is going to be a pretty exciting week for you. Yeah, how weird to see Aaron Rodgers that low. I know. That's where he's been at, though. That's where he's been. And this is another case. Now, a different scenario than with Russell Wilson, but Aaron Rodgers was used to force-feeding Devontae Adams yep. the ball 10, 12 times a game. Well, now he's got to work that out. Looks like Romeo Dubs could be the guy. So you still have a ways. And I think Aaron Rodgers gets it figured out before the end of the year. Uh, and we start to see him more on that maybe low 20s and bumped up a little bit. But well, right if, now, I can't argue with that. He's throwing, like, if he's throwing the ball 43 times, the completion percentage comes up, the yards are going to go up. If they keep throwing the ball like that, yeah. he's definitely going to get gonna get better. Well, yeah, absolutely. And I love Jalen Hurts. I think it's uh, he's just developing yeah. so well. Not just a guy who runs. Um, I think he's a, 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 I think his passing upside is better than Lamar Jackson. I really do. Um, and they're playing the the Cardinals, who can definitely be had this week. And uh, it'll it'll be interesting. I'm with you. I think Jalen Hurts should go a bit higher. Um, and then for the Ravens and Lamar, he's going to keep running. He's going to throw it to Mark Andrews, and that's really what yeah. it's going to be. It'll be an interesting matchup, Sunday Night Football against the Bengals. I hope that the Bengals are able to make it so that uh, Lamar Jackson has to throw. And you look at the stats, right? Andy, he is throwing. Look, when it comes down to it, and you for the strategy is still to make Lamar Jackson throw, and if yeah. you can do that, I think the Bengals can win that game. 
Um, last ask Andy, Kirk Cousins or Tom Brady? Well, Tom Brady's in the in the top ten of uh, projections this week. Mike Evans is uh, getting like they're they're getting a little bit healthier. I still, as I said at the start of the year, I don't think Tom Brady finishes as a top five quarterback. But between Kirk Cousins and Tom Brady, right now, I'm I'm and even though Jefferson is great, I'm going with Tom Brady. And I saw today report Tom Brady missing some practice time because of a sore shoulder. Oh, uh, throwing oh. shoulder on his right side, something to track. Okay. Now we know, you know, it would take something significant for Tom Brady to miss any time. So he's, I'm sure he's going to play. Dean, I actually am going to say Kirk Cousins here. Wow. I know. I know. I, listen, I don't like that I'm saying it either. It's, it, it's weird. It's uncomfortable. But that's where we're at. You're playing the Bears. The Bears can certainly be had. Now, the only wrinkle to this could be they get up early and then they just start handing the ball off all day, which could very well happen. But I think division game, Kurt Cousins, they're 3-1. and one, They're at home. They're favored by 7.5 points over the Bears. Uh, this isn't the uh, 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 Monsters of the Midway, whatever they called them back in the day, uh, for Chicago. So I, I would say the fantasy upside to me in this game goes to a healthy Kurt Cousins, even with the Buccaneers playing the terrible Falcons. Well, you're clearly on Team Giselle in this situation. Then. Absolutely. That's, obviously, you're Absolutely. on Team Giselle. Uh, okay, <laughs> Sunday morning, Sunday morning, you have all the answers. Uh, you know, somebody's asking about Gabe Davis being healthy. Uh, you get all those answers on Sunday morning when teams reveal it and, and even more drilling down on the details, 11 a.m. right here on Twitch. Tell us about Ultimate Fantasy Sports. That's right. When, yeah, Ultimate Fantasy Football, sorry. Right, yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, yeah, Gabe Davis, face palm, uh, healthy right now. You know, again, track it, track it, track it. Keep an eye on all those all those guys. So looks like he should. Uh, last I heard in practice, he was um, early in the week. I saw him running routes from some of the, the uh, beat reporter game films, so look pretty good. But yeah, Sunday morning, 11 a.m. Eastern to noon. We're going to give you fantasy football tips. We're going to give you your betting tips, your betting plays. We had Johnny Avello from DraftKings yes. Sportsbook last week. We're going to have a, uh, talk some more betting this week. Get you those tips, get you those, maybe some parlays, you know, get you some spread a little bit there too. Some danger zone pick, our bowl pick. By the way, Dean, I was right. I got ah. danger zone pick right. You believe it? Hallelujah. What, what was it again? It was TJ Hawkinson. TJ yeah, Hawkinson right. would be a top two. He was money. He was. I'll, I'll be honest. Those are kind of fluky if you get those right. <laughs> yeah. I, you, you match it up. Monterey St. Brett, everybody was missing. Who's he throwing to? And TJ Hawkinson could do it. So I was right on the danger zone. You know what? You All only remember... You only remember the right ones. Who cares about getting the wrong ones? Who cares? Yeah, no one talks about those. And, well, if they do, you just like, uh, yeah, whatever. Didn't happen. That's why Didn't it's happen. dangerous. That's right. Absolutely. It's going to be a lot of fun Sunday morning, 11 a.m. Eastern. All right. Right here on twitch.tv slash ultimate fantasy sports. And uh, for people looking for fantasy sports uh, throughout the week or any time in the season, use the hashtag AskAndy. He will find you, like Liam Neeson. Thanks, you. as always, my man. Have a great you. night. Enjoy the game, and we'll talk soon. All right, buddy. Talk to you later. Bye. There's Andy McNamara. And there we go. For some reason, that's not uh, taking the uh, right connection. That was fun. Uh, Tony says Andy knows. Like, Andy knows football. Ask Andy. Use that hashtag. Use it tonight before the game. He'll find it. You know, use it at 4 a.m. It wakes him up. You know, he's having a nice dinner at Christmas. Ask Andy. He leaves the dinner. And he goes and... Like, he... It's, the, it's like Batman. He's like Bruce Wayne. It's a... Uh, 
it's a curse, but with great responsibility uh, comes something, something, something. So ask Andy on Twitter, social media, use it. He will help you win your league, and we are here to help you win your league and make it better. All right. Uh, oh, I just went a little bit long with Andy. Sorry about that. 2.49 in the Mountain Time Zone, 4.49 out east. Still to come, Michael Amato is going to join us on the program. We are going to talk fantasy hockey. We're going to talk about coaches in new places, talk about players in new places and the impacts that they have, and guys who don't have a lot of help anymore. Like, when does the Patrick Kane watch start? Has it already started in Chicago? But still to come before that, we are going to have bold predictions. We'll take a look at bold predictions, anything you want. We are also going to dive into Major League Baseball. The playoffs start tomorrow. Playoffs? It's so awesome. So many good matchups. We will break down the pitching matchups for all four games of game one, which starts tomorrow. We'll do that as we roll along on the program. This is Ultimate Fantasy Sports Daily on Ultimate Fantasy Sports on twitch.tv slash ultimate fantasy sports.
much for sticking with us here on Ultimate Fantasy Sports Daily. Uh, if you missed it, we just had Andy McNamara on uh, discussing the Colts and the Broncos. Uh, Jonathan Taylor will not play uh, for the Colts uh, because of an ankle injury. So that means Naeem Hines uh, becomes the lead guy. I didn't have him in my lineup. I had him sitting. Andy disagreed. So uh, I would probably go uh, with Andy on that one uh, instead of this guy. Unless I win. Then, then always stick with me. So um, we, we mentioned the uh, obviously the big story um, when it comes to uh, hockey in Canada uh, is the Hockey Canada situation. Also a big story, um, aside from the big four sports, is Lionel Messi says this is going to be his last World Cup. And maybe that's not a, like a huge surprise uh, for some people. But it sucks, actually, you know, that that he is going to be retiring. But obviously, father time is undefeated. He's 35 years old uh, and said uh, this will be the last time he plays in the World Cup for Argentina. The decision has been made. So can he go out on top? Obviously, I think people, well, some people weren't alive, but 1986, Diego Maradona. That was their last World Cup victory. And interesting about Lionel Messi, he has never scored outside of the group stage in the World Cup. He has six World Cup goals. And obviously, a crushing extra time defeat uh, to Germany. When was that? In 2014, I think it was. So, that's it for Messi. And uh, the World Cup. You will obviously get uh, one more chance uh, to watch him in the World Cup. Uh, Thank you so much for all the uh, questions and uh, viewers uh, for Ask Andy in our Twitch chat and on social media. It's a ton of fun uh, getting to help you win your league or at the very least make it better. But tomorrow is all about baseball. Hockey starts in Europe tomorrow. So there is a, you know, you you are going to be able to watch a regular season hockey game tomorrow. Uh, Because these teams that are in uh, Czech Republic right now kick the season off. That is uh, San Jose and the Predators. 2 p.m. Eastern tomorrow. So you're going to watch baseball and hockey at the same time tomorrow. Glorious, glorious, glorious. All right, all right, all right. So here's the series that get underway tomorrow. Tampa Bay and Cleveland in Cleveland. Seattle travels to Toronto for the three-game set. The winner of that one gets Houston. The winner of the first series gets the Yankees. In the National League, it's the Phillies and the Cardinals. Uh, The winner gets the Braves and the Padres and the Mets with the L.A. Dodgers waiting in the wings. And the first game 
tomorrow is the American League wild card game. Uh, and that is between the Rays and the Guardians. It starts at uh, 12.07 Eastern time. Give me a fun day. So the Ray and this is uh, just th- this matchup has pitching galore. Uh, Shane McClanahan, the left-hander, who was twelve and eight, two point five four ERA, a point nine three WHIP, and almost two hundred strikeouts in just one hundred and sixty six innings. He was banged up a little bit, but he was getting um, some love for the Cy Young. The lefty is going to be hard to beat. On the other side, a different kind of Shane, Mr. Bieber, the righty, 13-8, 2.88 ERA, a whip just over one at 104, 200 innings, 198 strikeouts. So the thing to look for in this one is a lot of Ks, a lot of Ks. Cleveland, 4-2 and two versus Tampa this year. The last three games of this series were decided by one run. Only one game of the six was decided by more than two runs. Three one-run games all came last week in a three-game series. 6-5-2-1-2-1. It was back and forth. Total score in all six games, 22-18. to So, like I said, I, I think the, the thing to watch for in this series is a lot of strikeouts, and low-scoring game. You know, maybe one might be the outlier where it's uh, you, you get a few runs and things like that. But I think that this is going to be a series decided by pitching and strikeouts. Tyler Glasnow is set to go in Game 2 for Tampa. Uh, games 2 and 3, Saturday, Sunday. All series, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, if necessary, on Sunday, and all three games are at the home field club in every series. So similar styles when it comes to managers. You have Terry Francona, um, who could win the manager of the year in Cleveland, and you have Kevin Cash, who was on Francona's staff in Cleveland at one point. Uh, Tampa probably has more power. Cleveland is probably going to collect more hits, make more contact, and probably run more on the base paths. However, these teams are going in opposite directions right now. The Guardians, seven wins in their last ten. The Rays, just two and five straight losses. Although, it was at a garbage, wet Fenway Park and late in the season that nobody really cared about. So, they just wanted to get through uh, healthy uh, and into the postseason. So, that starts tomorrow, 12.07 Eastern Time. It is going to be dynamite in that one. How about the Mariners and the Blue Jays? Louis Castillo, the right-hander. This one, uh, first pitch at 4.07 Eastern time. The right-hander Castillo was 8-6 with an ERA just under 3, a whip of 108, 150 innings, 167 strikeouts, and no surprise uh, that the Blue Jays are going with the big man, Alec Manoa, the big righty, who also got consideration for some Cy Young uh, votes, I think, 16-7, and seven, uh, easily the ace of the staff in Toronto in just a very, I think it's just his second season. 2.24 earned run average, a whip under one, 
And 180 Ks and 196.2, and he likes defending teammates. Uh, so don't get in his way. Um, anyway, this is uh, this is going to be a fun one. I, I think in Canada, uh, this is going to be all the rage, even though we do have hockey going on right now. Uh, but the Mariners, uh, they swept or they, they took the season series thanks to sweeping the Jays in a four-game set the last time they met. And I said all week it would be really interesting if this game uh, had have ended up being in um, in Seattle uh, just because Jays fans flood that place all the time. But like I said, the Mariners won four straight games against the Jays. Seattle's in the playoffs for the first time since their record-tying 116-win season. It's pretty incredible uh, that it's been that long since Seattle was in the postseason. But that's the way it goes. The Jays were in the playoffs in 2020 when almost everybody made it, and they were swept. Their last playoff win came in 2016 when we, we know is the bat flip. That was the bat flip in Canada. So this is uh, going to be fun, 4 p.m. Eastern time. I think the Jays uh, have the, uh, the pitching matchup in, in uh, game one for sure. In my opinion. All right. How about the National League? Uh, wild card game one. Phillies against the Cardinals. Uh, this is 207. So they're going to go American League, National League, American League, National League. And Zach Wheeler is going to be dealing for the Phillies. The right-hander was 12-7 and seven with an ERA of 2.82. A whip of 104, 153 innings, and 163 Ks. I'm unsure of what St. Louis is doing with Jose Quintana, uh, the left-hander starting. He's 6-7, 2.93, 1.21 whip, 165 innings, 137 Ks. Unless he's just an opener, I don't know. Um, you have much better pitchers on your staff then Jose Quintana. And you knew all along that this was you were you were getting set up for the playoffs. Maz McCollis is going in game number two. But no Wainwright yet. Interesting. They might use a kind of committee of pitchers in this series. Wheeler has been dominant in two starts versus the Cardinals this year. Like, just absolutely shoving. 14 innings, 9 hits, all singles, no runs, 10 Ks. I... I, it's clear that they have the pitching matchup in, in probably both games. And they have long, cold revenge on their minds. The last time they saw the postseason, the late Roy Halladay was pitching for them. And in a rare occasion, was outpitched by Chris Carpenter on that October 7th, 2011th evening. The Cardinals lost to the Dodgers in the playoffs 
Last year, after roaring into the postseason with a 17-game win streak that started on September 11th, and they ooze veteran leadership. They have veterans everywhere. You know about Pujols, Wainwright, uh, Molina, uh, Goldschmidt, Arenado, like everybody. But the Phillies aren't pushovers. And this is the thing. Nobody is talking about the Phillies, and I would be wary of that. And I think the Phillies probably love that. They're loving that nobody is talking about them. Cardinals are, of course, hoping history repeats itself. They won the World Series in 2011 uh, when they beat the Phillies in that playoff series, and they have some vets that would love to go out on top. Will we see more big home runs from Albert Pujols and Kyle Schwarber, whose 46 home runs led the National League and lost to Pujols in the home run derby first round? And a good bet? might be Nolan Arenado doing most of the damage. Nolan Arenado in the regular season went 10 for 22 against the Phillies, three home runs, six RBIs, an OPS of 1,000. And don't forget the Phillies fired Joe Girardi earlier this year. So interim manager Rob Thompson turned the ship around, should likely get a contract out of it, especially if they win. Aaron Nola, Ranger Suarez set to go games three, uh, two and three if necessary. That's a way better, uh, like, are you kidding me? Zach Wheeler, Nolan, er, Zach Wheeler and Aaron Nola versus Jose Quintana and Miles McCullis? I'm starting to like the Phillies a lot more. Especially with Paul Goldschmidt and Nolan Arenado, a combined 16 for 72, no home runs, 14 strikeouts this year versus Aaron Nola and Wheeler, the starting two pitchers. That may enable a sweep. And you got Jose Quintana, the lefty, 6-7, and 2.93. Just, this is not even close to almost a fair matchup. That's weird. Finally, this is going to be a fascinating series. The Padres and the Mets. And pitching is going to be amazing. You, Darvish who I don't think has ever been a great playoff performer. Wasn't with the Dodgers anyway. 16-8 and this year. High ERA, but low whip. And a lot of strikeouts. Uh, Going up against Max Scherzer, uh, who just gets better and better. Both righties. Both are going to throw a lot of Ks. And this, this should be a pitching dominant series. You got Jacob deGrom going in game two, likely against Blake Snell, who has gotten better and better as the season went on. It's interesting. These teams are kind of mirrors. They have great pitching. They're both five and five in their last 10 games. The loser of this series will be MLB's biggest disappointment this year. And the winner will get the top team in the Dodgers, who had 111 wins this year. So, it's going to be fun. I, I just can't wait. This I think it's going to be another low-scoring affair, just like the Guardians and uh, the Rays. So, Alex says, under 24 hours till game time in Toronto. What a moment for Alec Manoa to prove himself in. Yeah, it's going to be awesome. Major League Baseball playoffs. Uh, some of the best theater uh, that you can get. It really is uh, awesome. I have no idea why that came up. Um, but it really is uh, quite awesome. All right, we're going to duck out for a, a quick break. I'm going to grab a drink of water, 
And when we come back, we're going to get into our Dauber Hockey preview, the San Jose Sharks, who are in Czech Republic. And then we'll uh, get into Michael Amato uh, from uh, Sportsnet, Dauber Hockey, Goalie Post. We'll go over some coaching changes and some players in new places. We are back right after this. Just after 5.10 in the east, uh, 3.10 in the mountain time zone where I am located just outside of Edmonton. Welcome into the marsh. My name is Dean Millard and it is an absolute pleasure to have you joining the show today. If you're uh, watching on Twitch, thank you very much. Say hello in the chat. If you're watching on uh, YouTube, thank you very much for doing that as well. Uh, you can find this show Monday to Friday right here, twitch.tv slash ultimate fantasy sports, 4 p.m. till 6 p.m. Eastern, and then it's uploaded to YouTube uh, later. We had a little problem with yesterday's show. I will get it up later today. Uh, but Ultimate Fantasy Sports Network is where you can find us on YouTube. That's our channel. You can also search the same Ultimate Fantasy Sports Network wherever you find the best podcast and you can get our show in audio format for your commute lots to talk about in hockey uh, we have uh, some exciting times the season actually gets underway tomorrow uh, in the Czech Republic and for some reason my uh, Dauber hockey preview uh, isn't here so I'm going to find this. Uh, give me one second here. As... Yeah, it didn't get downloaded. Uh, give me two seconds. I am just going to find this. Uh, in the meantime, uh, check out this amazing opportunity that we have when it comes to getting the word out about your crypto project. Get yourselves ready to race at great heights to become the global sim racing champion. Create your crypto livery. Enter with the best designs. Enter to win prizes. Outrace your competition. Winning is all that matters. 
Watch the other racers in your rear view mirror. Gain massive exposure battling against the biggest names in crypto with a season long race for the championship. Bring glory to your token. Drive like a champion, win it all. Be first or last. If you're not rubbing, you're not racing. Get behind the wheel and drive for your project. Very cool opportunity for you to get involved in uh, the Ultimate Crypto Drivers Championship. VR1 Racing is a crypto-centric professional sim racing league. The primary goal is to provide an effective marketing tool for crypto projects to get noticed and have a lot of fun. VR1 Racing provides a year-long entertaining platform that gives ongoing exposure. Full broadcast on Twitch, YouTube, Metaverse watch parties, design contests, and more real solid marketing opportunities, and a lot of fun to see how crazy awesome those car designs can be. You can get more details at uffsports.com slash VR1. All right, here is our San Jose Sharks uh, preview, and uh, we'll rip this off really quickly because we have Michael Amato uh, coming up uh, next to join us. But uh, when I look at uh, the San Jose Sharks, uh, it's the two T's, uh, Timo Meyer, Thomas Hurdle, and then Logan Couture, uh, kind of old faithful, uh, if, you, if you will, with the San Jose Sharks now that a guy like Joe Pavelski is gone, Evander Kane is gone. Uh, but Meyer, Hurdle, and um, we'll see who ends up on that line with them. Uh, Logan Couture centering the second line, likely with William Eklund. That would be really good, along with Kevin LeBanc. Uh, and I have Eklund as my breakout player, and my sleeper is Ryan Merkley on the blue line. I think that Ryan Merkley is going to get a little bit more of an opportunity uh, when it comes to playing time and certainly get second power play opportunity. So that's my sleeper um, when it comes to that. Here are the lines that uh, Dauber Hockey is going with in their fantasy guide. By the way, we will have a fantasy guide to give away in the next segment when Michael Amato joins us. Uh, so get your hands on a free Dauber Hockey Fantasy Guide. You just have to be in the Twitch chat uh, to be listening to the conversation, and we will pick a lucky winner and email it out. So uh, you got Meyer and Hurdle as the top two, and then, you know, a big, big chance for Alexander Barabanov, uh, former uh, Leaf, I believe, and an opportunity there on that first line. And, and even the second line opportunity is going to be big for a guy like Kevin LeBanc, who has mostly been a third liner. Uh, after that, not a whole lot in the bottom six. I, I like Noah Gregor as a player. Um, Thomas Bordalo, potentially. And then Eric Carlson, like I said, Michael uh, or Ryan Merkley on the back end. Mark Edward Vlasic is a good option if you're not in a cap league. If you're in a cap league, it's not very good. And and Capo Kakinen is going to play a lot. I just don't know if he's going to get a lot of wins. So maybe another Carter Hart situation there where you have a guy that is not going to get you a lot of wins, but might be able to uh, steal some categories and steal some weeks for you because of the amount of rubber uh, that Capo Kakinen is going to uh, face in San Jose and uh, Aiden Hill will uh, try as well. So 
I think the guy who I think Thomas Hurdles is uh, in for a big, big season. Like I think we could see 65, 70 points. Uh, again, I'm pushing for this guy because I am trying to send some karma to him and William Eklund uh, when it comes to fantasy and all that jazz. So that is the San Jose Sharks team preview. When we come back, Michael Amato will join us and we'll give away a Dauber Hockey free guide. That's coming up right away. We're back in a second. Uh, 3.20 out in uh, the mountain time zone where I am located and I would have to check my phone uh, to see, actually I will, I will check really quickly to see what time it is Apple has this really cool world clock in uh, the uh, Czech Republic it's uh, 11.21 in the Czech Republic and that's where the NHL season gets underway tomorrow uh, with Nashville and San Jose I believe it's a noon Eastern start. Uh, I'd have to double check on that. Uh, so if you're in a fantasy league, uh, you need to be aware that this season starts in Europe tomorrow, but the rest of the off season continues in Canada and in uh, North America uh, in, until 
the season gets going next Tuesday as we are joined by uh, Michael Amato as he does every Thursday and quite a weird situation with that European start tomorrow. Um, You know, in one of our leagues, we're having those two teams. You just have to be cap compliant with your players and you could still do the rest of your preseason stuff, but kind of throws a wrench into fantasy leagues, doesn't it? Yeah, only uh, one more night left here with everyone's uh, fantasy fantasy draft still looking perfect before the season gets underway. But yeah, it does. Uh, I think most leagues have like I think this week and next week combined into one one matchup if you're doing head to head. Right. Um, but yeah, it's obviously something you have to uh, be prepared for. Make sure you know if you have any uh, sharks or preds players, um, you get them in the lineup because there's obviously still preseason games going on. Uh, mm-hmm. tomorrow and Saturday, which is weird. It almost has that feel of like a couple years ago. I don't know. If, I think it was the was the Flames and the Canucks playing like regular season games during the during the playoffs there for yeah. for a week. It kind of has that weird feeling of like, hey, we got some games that really count in the standings, but there's also preseason games. So yeah, it's weird. I, I it's also interesting because I think a lot of people probably have already completed their drafts um, by now and uh, just to get these games in, but. Yeah, if, if there's an injury in some of these preseason games, that's uh, that's not going to be good if you drafted anybody. So we'll see. Yeah, it is. It's a really bizarre situation when you have preseason games. And I'm not a huge fan of these trips, although I do like these trips uh, if a team is going to do it at the start of the season rather than midway through the season. That midway European trip seems crazy weird to me. And the NFL does it. Uh, they're doing it again this week. I just, at the start of the season, get it out of the way and then get your system back to normal because there is an, an adjustment, obviously, to the time. Oh, definitely, yeah. And I think, obviously, the NFL, um, they can do it because they get a week off. And, and right. I think a lot of the teams have have buys sometimes after. But, yeah, it would be really tricky um, in the NHL to do that from from a scheduling perspective. So we're going to give away a uh, Dauber Hockey Fantasy Guide uh, in our conversation today to some lucky uh, listener uh, or uh, viewer, but we, we're also going to talk about some some really interesting situations around the National Hockey League. First of all, uh, this wasn't really on our list, but uh, Jason Robertson signs his deal late last night. Uh, here are the details. This guy, uh, I mean... He do you like? There's a chance he could score 50 in this contract. This is a really good deal for the Dallas Stars. If it works out for Jason Robertson, they're going to pay a lot, similar to Matthew Kachuk. But to get this done, first of all, for the season was important. And if you're in a cap league and you have Jason Robertson, you love that number. Hello. Hello. Oh, can you hear us? Did we, did we lose you there? Yep. Oh. Sorry, just for a second, yeah. Oh, sorry, we out. lost you. I anyway, I'm just, <laughs> I'm just asking about this contract for, for the uh, Dallas Stars. Um, and if you're in a cap league, you love that number. The Dallas Stars love that number. The number could get a lot bigger, but right now is what's important in, in the, in the, in the uh, big scheme of things is getting him on the ice. Yeah, I'm actually uh, somewhat surprised with that number. Um some of the contracts we saw recently with uh, Stutzla, Kairou, um, and then the other day with Barzell, I thought um, Robertson would come in a lot higher than what it did. But yeah, that's a pretty good, pretty good bargain for the Stars. Um, fingers crossed he he won't miss any regular season games because it looks like he'll have some time to get ready to go. Um, I thought it might have been like a Brady Kachuk situation last year where he missed the first handful of games, but uh, yeah, they got him in. That's that's great value for them and uh, four years. So yeah, should be. 
should be a good deal for all sides, and that's pretty good value for him. Yeah, I, and, and uh, there's a chance you can get a 50 goal guy out of seven and a, 7.75 million. Uh, it, it's pretty uh, amazing. Uh, so anyway, one of the things we wanted to talk about is uh, people in new places, and you know, for that 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 means coaches as well. And and we know coaches and you know managers have the biggest impact on where your players play and how they play. And this is going to be an interesting study in New York with the Islanders because Lane Lambert is uh, in his first year as a head coach. 11 years with Nashville, Washington, and New York, otherwise known as the Barry Trotz School of Coaching, and he has a PhD uh, from that institution. But what are your expectations for Lane Lambert on Long Island this year and the players that he'll be coaching? Yeah, it's interesting because everyone seems, like from a fantasy hockey world, everyone seems really excited that um, Trotz is out of there because they think a lot of the Isles players – you know, might get a little bit more leeway, might be put up a little bit more offensive numbers. But as you mentioned, you know, Lambert is um, a direct disciple of Barry Trotz. He's been with him forever. So I'm not sure how uh, different their coaching styles are going to be. So I'm, <laughs> I think there might be a lot of disappointed people um, hoping for the Matt Barzells or the Oliver Wallstroms to uh, really kind of take off for a huge season. Um, and yeah, I think with him, like, I think everyone there is most concerned with Barzell because he had such a strong uh, rookie season and he's kind of faded a bit since then not that he's been a bad player but I think he he went from like an 85 point guy in his yeah. rookie season to like around a 60 point player and uh, yeah it just makes you wonder like how much Trotz's coaching had to do with that or or how much was that um, playing with John Tavares as a rookie that one season just really kind of amped him up and now you know he's kind of lost that and he's he played with a more defensively structured coach obviously and that's brought him down but yeah it'll be interesting to see um, typically you know, coaches that have been with another coach for a long time, obviously they, they share the same system or believe in the same systems and philosophies. So yeah, I'm not super um, confident we're going to see like this new Isles team, like just lighting up the lamp and running all over the ice. I think it'll probably be pretty similar, but maybe, maybe some of the line deployments and, and, and when they use players might be a bit different. Yeah, and, and the, I guess the hope is that uh, Lane Lambert has always wanted to be a more offensive coach, <laughs> and hopefully he yeah. sort of brings that to the Islanders, right? And he just was kind of saddled with the, the, the way Barry Trotz coached, which obviously wasn't bad because he had some great success in winning a, a Stanley Cup. Um, another guy in uh, on a new bench, and, you know, it's funny – Peter DeBoer has been unemployed for about five minutes since he got into the <laughs> NHL. He went from Florida straight to Jersey, straight to San Jose, straight to Vegas, uh, which is a lot different than like the next guy we're going to talk about after Bruce Cassidy, who waited a long time before his second job. But Peter DeBoer keeps getting jobs. So something he must be doing right. And he's been to the finals twice with two teams. How is this going to impact Dallas? Obviously, he's really happy because he has his number one scoring option coming back soon. He's got a good young goaltender. What are the expectations in Dallas for star players? Well, I think everyone is most interested in how DeBoer will uh, will sort of help Miro Heiskanen. Uh, Heiskanen is one of those players that is like phenomenal in real life, but in fantasy, it, he's not. He's not that. Um, he's not that great of an asset. Like he's a good player, but I think everyone always expects more from him. Um, And when you have him on your roster, I think you're always a little bit underwhelmed Um, just because, you know, he he does a lot of things well. He skates really well. He moves the puck really well, but a lot of times those things don't translate 
um, to fantasy as much. And I think now with, I think people are thinking with John Klingberg gone, maybe Heiskanen's going to get more of a featured role. And if you look back at um, some of the stops DeBoer had on your list there, like in Vegas, he, he did a really great job with Shea Theodore. I think in San Jose, Brent Burns, DeBoer likes to, to get puck to the net from the point quite a bit. He's, he's kind of that style of coach. And I think uh, those guys are able to pick up a lot of points that way. And I wonder if um, he'll have that effect on Heiskanen because I think a lot of people are, are looking at this year as the chance that Heiskanen breaks out. Yeah, and and guys like that, people have been in been waiting and waiting, and and I look at uh, I, I know he's not on this list, but the the one good thing about John Tortorella in Philadelphia, I don't know if there's going to be a whole lot, but I think he helps the defense. Maybe a guy like Provorov, uh, like he did with Jones and and Wierenski. So there's certainly uh, some guys, and and you know if you haven't done your draft, then maybe you bump Heiskin and up a bit, and if you have, maybe you watch a little bit and put him on that watch list, and and. and Maybe you target somebody a little bit earlier. You target Heiskanen from another team a little bit earlier if you see that instant bump uh, in the first few games. Yeah, definitely. I mean, you could see how he, he'll start deploying him. Uh, maybe he'll get a little bit more power play time. Um, it's just DeBoer's always had a really good impact on those high-end defensemen. And, yeah, his teams are, are usually really strong, and that means they'll, they'll put up a lot of points. And, uh, yeah, you just you mentioned uh, – Tortorella just yeah like like you said I think he will have an impact on the defensive end in Philly um probably not as many flyers are, are fantasy relevant but yeah he's always a great coach that preaches uh block shots so if you have I'm looking for a defenseman and you have a league with blocks you could maybe look at some some players like Provorov and stuff like that because Tortorella is definitely good in that area yeah, I, I think Ivan Provorov still has a massive ceiling. He's just been mired in, in a really, really tough situation there. In Phil- like, we did the Flyers the other day in my preview, and oof, it's like like a Carter Hart, I think, could be a really good fantasy player if you get points, decent points for shots, because he's going to face a yeah. lot of rubber in, in Philly. It's going to be... It's going to be an interesting one as well. Um, Bruce Cassidy on here. Uh, the impact for Bruce Cassidy is twofold. One on the team he's leaving and one on the team he's joining. And and you can kind of see there, this is what I was talking about with guys getting their second chance. I mean, it took Bruce Cassidy a long time to get back behind an NHL bench. He was, uh, as a head coach, rather. Um, you know, he's had a small stint with the Capitals, and then he was at the Bruins for however many years, uh, six years there, six times in the playoffs, the finals in 2015. But we did hear players were unhappy. And then we did see players coming back to Boston when Cassidy leaves. So let's start with Boston and the impact Bruce Cassidy leaving is going to have on the Bruins. Yeah. So we, we talked a little bit about Barry Trotz earlier. I, I actually think Bruce Cassidy was probably the most, um, defensive-minded coach or goalie-friendly coach in the league in the past five years. And I know a lot of people will first, Trotz will first come to mind, but I think Cassidy really had a huge impact. If you look at Boston's goalies, and I know Tuka Rask obviously had a lot to do with it, but I think Boston in the last five years have ranked in the top five in, in goals against in each of the past five seasons. And I think three times they were first, actually. And yeah, a lot of, a lot of that credit would go to somebody like Tuka Rask. But if you look at the other goalies that have come through that system, whether it's like Yaroslav Halak, Jeremy Swayman, Linus Allmark, these aren't necessarily like huge names, but they've all been really viable fantasy options. And I think a lot of that has to do with Cassidy and, and his defensive structure. They're really strong in that regard. So I'm really curious to see how him leaving is going to impact. Um, obviously, somebody like Jeremy Swayman, who's pretty young, doesn't have a ton of experience, um, maybe loses that 
that structure a little bit. We'll see what sort of uh, systems Jim Montgomery employs, but yeah, I think that's going to hurt them. And obviously, you know, you add in, they're, they're going to missing, be missing some key players for the first couple of months, you know, McAvoy, Marchant, um, they might be playing in their own end a little bit more because, mm-hmm. you know, they're missing some of their talented players. That's going to put a little bit more pressure on the goaltending. So I think that combined with, with Cassie leaving makes me really curious to see, you know, how Swayman and Allmark are going to do. I know a lot of people really didn't bump Swayman down at all in their, in their rankings this year, but I'm interested to see if that impacts them a little bit. Yeah, I, I was one of those guys that I was really high, and, and now I'm thinking, oh, maybe, maybe especially, you know, with McAvoy and Marchand out, I'm like, oh, maybe that wasn't the greatest thing. You know, at midseason, I think Jeremy Swayman could be a really good trade uh, target because, in fantasy, uh, because then, you know, everybody's coming back and they should, like, I, I don't know, I don't think the Bruins are going to win their division, but I'd be shocked if they aren't a playoff team. Like, everybody gets back, the band gets back together, they just have to tread water. So Swayman might be a better guy in midseason season or, or quarter away through the season when maybe they've gotten over that rough patch. Yeah, I think that's exactly it. I, th- I think if they're going to have some struggles and some issues, you'll probably see it in, in October, November, uh, maybe before the new year. And then, yeah, like you said, I think once the calendar turns, uh, if they're all healthy, I, I think they'll be fine again. And yeah, I think they'll probably be a playoff team. They'll probably just have to fend off Ottawa, I would think this year. Um, we'll see if they can do that. But yeah, I think in the last few years too, like, and maybe this is my mistake too. A lot of people just count out Boston because they say, oh, they're getting older. You know, Patrice Bergeron is, is whatever, 37 years old now, I think. And they've got David Krejci and Marshawn's up there, but they just keep playing at an elite level. Like a lot of their skaters are, aren't showing any really signs of regression. So that's one thing uh, going for if you're counting on a lot of Bruins players this year. And then the Bruce Cassidy Vegas effect, um, and and this makes so much more sense now uh, uh, to me in my head anyway of why Kelly McCrimmon went out and brought in Bruce Cassidy because I think it's clear goaltending is going to be the weakest spot uh, and and the, the biggest challenge for Vegas because they knew Robin Leonard was out for the year so they get a guy who is goaltender friendly uh, with guys like Laurent Brassois, Logan Thompson, etc. Uh, it's gonna be, it's gonna be needed in Vegas. I think I like their top six. I like their blue line, but they they this is a smart move to have a goalie friendly coach, in my opinion. Yeah, definitely. I, I think that's probably why they were maybe a little more confident of not going out and bringing in a bigger name when they knew uh, Leonard was going to be injured. I, I know they brought in Aiden Hill, um, and yeah, you mentioned a couple of others, Thompson and, and Brassois. I think. I think maybe Vegas is a little more confident um, having Cassidy there that they can play a structure that that's going to kind of protect, protect those three a bit, whoever they end up uh, rolling with to start. But yeah, I think he's, he's a great fit there. Um, You know, we know Vegas has a, has a lot of talent in the top six, as you mentioned, they have some really, uh, really good defense score as well. So yeah, I think if they can just get even, you know, league average above league average goaltending slightly, I think they'll be, they'll be fine. I think Cassidy kind of helps them get there. All right, let's talk a little bit uh, about some players now. Um, and then the one guy we're talking about is Patrick Kane. And, and I think he's trying to listen for some teammates right there to say, like, who is left and, and what is next? And we, like, this is Patrick Kane over the last four years. So he's not regressing by any means. I, and and I, I have him having a massive year this year. Um, what, what do, what, what do you expect from Patrick Kane? I think, like like I said, I think he's going to have a great year. I think eventually he gets traded, which takes his value up even more. But 
what what's going on in Chicago in your opinion and what should people expect out of Kane and and maybe Taves who those guys look a lot younger than they are right now and man they're they're like they're doing the old uh, Will Smith looking around the room wondering wondering where everybody went yeah that, that's exactly it I mean uh I I think I think Taze is probably having a more difficult time with it than Kane I think you're right I think Kane will probably be able to to keep his numbers pretty close to what they normally are. Like maybe they take a little bit of a hit because he's, he's never really been completely alone. I know they've always, he's always had somebody on, on his line. That's really strong, whether it was, you know, Panarin or Debrinkat, but Chicago kept sort of uh, offloading those guys for cap reasons. Um, I think maybe Debrinkat was, I think they're just going into a rebuild, but yeah, like they're, I think they're going to be in full Connor Bedard mode uh, this year, Chicago. So it, it's probably not going to be too many players on the Blackhawks you're going to want to roster. Um, I think Kane is one. I think Seth Jones is one, but there's not going to be too many outside of that. Um, but yeah, I think one of the things you mentioned that's actually really important with Kane, if you're debating on taking him, is is that trade element. Um, if he gets moved to a contender at the deadline, um, that's really going to boost his value right around the time of uh, fantasy hockey playoffs, obviously. So yeah, if he ends up, because I think, it's probably safe to say that Chicago is going to eat some of his contract and maybe even a third team. So I think he can go almost anywhere. You know, if he goes to like a Colorado or like uh, New York or Toronto, I think that could be huge for your playoff run. If you, if you're holding on to Kane and he ends up, you know, in the top six on one of those teams for, for a month going into the playoffs, it's going to be really good value for you. Yeah. And like, I, I often wonder, is there a chance Kane and Taze would be like, Hey, we'll stick around to play with Bedard because it would be fun, but there's no guarantee they're getting Bedard. So they could stick around for the whole year, hoping to play for Bedard and end up picking second and not getting Bedard. And then what it is. So I, I you know, and, and if, listen, I, I know there's that legacy factor in the NHL, but rebuilding and winning is much more important in my opinion, than a guy playing his whole year uh, with 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 one team, in my opinion. So I, I think at least Kane gets traded. And, you know, what team wouldn't want Jonathan Taves for the playoffs? I mean, that's a really good guy yeah. to bring in at some point or next year when they become free agents if if they decide to uh, keep playing in, in Taves' case. So I, I think both of them end up getting dealt personally. Yeah, I, I think so too. And it's it's just really hard. Like you mentioned, that legacy player, it's really hard now with the salary cap for that one player to stick, you know, his whole career with one team, because you just see so many, you know, kind of peaks and valleys with teams and, and, you know, teams go on a great run and then the cap hits you and you have to kind of start fresh and rebuild. Mm -hmm. And so it's really hard for, you know, a lot of players to sit through that. And, you know, to be fair to Kane and Taze, I I think they've been, um, there's been a few lean years now in Chicago that they've stuck around, but yeah, I think they probably uh, can see this one's going to be a little bit longer and uh, they're probably going to want to go. I could see them trying to, take a shot at a cup at the deadline, like you mentioned, and maybe they can, yeah, sign somewhere where they want in the summer. Yeah. And, and like they had, they've been great players uh, for that organization. They haven't come out and complained or anything like, so they're, they're doing all the right things. Uh, the Oilers hope they've done the right things in net. Uh, Jack Campbell, 47 games last year he started. That's a career high. That tells you that Jack Campbell has not been, in my opinion, a number one goaltender has not played the number one goaltender numbers. So is this something you're going to be watching this year in Edmonton? Yeah, that's one thing I was a little bit concerned about with Campbell. Um, he's had a real 
good shot the last few years in Toronto, but obviously he, he was with Frederick Anderson for a season and, and then Peter Mrazek, maybe though Mrazek didn't have a great year last year. He's still a veteran guy with a lot of experience that the Leafs could turn to. So yeah, I think um, it sounds like Mike Smith's not really going to be an option this year because of injuries. So it's going to be, I think Campbell and, and Stuart Skinner. So it, it's going to be interesting. Um, I know from his time here in Toronto, um, he had a little bit of durability issues. You know, there were some times where, he would play like three or four games in a row and then, you know, the team would sort of sit him out for a game because he needed, he needed a bit of a break. And yeah, like you mentioned, 47 games are career high. Um, if you're a number one goalie, I think even now with, with a lot more splits and tandems, you, you still probably need to be in that 55 mm-hmm. game mark. Um, so yeah, if, if he has to play 55, 60 games, you know, will his, will his numbers um, dip a little bit? You know, he was a little bit streaky last year, obviously great first half, not so good second half. And, uh, yeah, I think the Oilers obviously are, are probably not going to want to play uh, Stuart Skinner a ton because he's so young. But, uh, yeah, we'll see if Campbell can, can carry the load there. He's certainly on a really good team, really strong team. Um, so it'll be interesting. And maybe that's a reason to, you know, keep an eye on, on Stuart Skinner on your waiver wire, right? Does Skinner get in 35 games this year maybe? And mm-hmm. on a really strong team, that could be, that could be some sneaky value uh, for you as well. Yeah, I actually think Stuart Skinner is going to challenge Jack Campbell more than than people think. I think still Jack Campbell's going to be the guy, but uh, that's a really good point. Stuart Skinner could get you some nice backup points uh, in fantasy. And and now Johnny Gaudreau, um, you know, there was a lot of big stories in the offseason. Maybe none more surprising than this one, when everybody thought he was going to Philly or the Islanders and Columbus seemed to come out of nowhere. Um, I'll say this. I don't think Matthew Kachuk or Johnny Gaudreau, I think they both take dips this year. I think Jonathan Huberdeau is going to take an uptick. So I think out of those situations, he's going to be the guy that's going to improve. I'm not saying that Gaudreau isn't, doesn't have options, but I don't like his options in Columbus as much as I liked him in Calgary. Where do you see Gaudreau and Columbus and that whole fit? Yeah, I'm with you. Um, I, I think, I think obviously he's a tremendous player and I think he'll, play with Patrick Laine. And I think the thing is Laine is just a different player than Kachuk and Lindholm, right? Like he's a finisher. Um, he's not necessarily a, a go into the corners guy and get the puck um, like Kachuk is or, and like Lindholm is. And obviously there's going to be a third player on that line, whether it's Boone Jenner or Jack Roslovic or somebody else that that's not going to be as strong as, as the other two that Goudreau played with last year. So obviously I think he's probably going to bring more to the, to the Blue Jackets and, and to that line than, and the team is giving to him. But yeah, I'm with you. I think both him and Kachuk um, probably uh, come back down a little bit more this year. I think Kachuk more than Goudreau. But still, yeah, I think it'll be a different experience for him, kind of um, not having maybe some of those workhorse players around him that are, that are going to dig up the puck and get him get him the puck a lot. He'll probably have to play without the puck a lot more this year in Columbus, which will, which will be an adjustment. But yeah, I think he's he's definitely going to prop up guys like Line A and whoever gets that center spot. So... So I think, you know, those guys might be, obviously, if you have a chance to get Goudreau, he's still a great player, but those guys might be more ones to look at as he's going to probably help them more than they're going to help him. Yeah, and I, I think Warensky maybe gets a bit of an uptick with a, a guy like Goudreau as well, as we, you know, we saw some defensemen do it. But um, I, I don't know. It, it's going to be interesting. Um, I, I I give Columbus a lot of credit for going out and doing it and see if they can – 
build around them. Uh, a f- I have a former Columbus head coach winning the Jack Adams this year. Uh, this is my uh, top three candidates for the Jack Adams. I'm bullish on the Rangers. I think Gerard Gallant's a really good players coach. Uh, Jared Bednar obviously gets some consideration and the, the coach of the year always seems to be a little bit of a most improved uh, trophy. So, uh, DJ Smith gets my nod. What do you think? Is anybody, uh, doesn't belong on this list? Do you think? No, I think those are, those are three good candidates. Uh, I think one other name I would just mention, you you mentioned it's uh, a lot of times goes to the most improved and I, and I wonder if, um, we mentioned Lane Lambert earlier. If the Islanders have a bounce back season, like a lot of people mm-hmm. think they might be able to, if he, if he gets some consideration as well, because I think last year they just had a, a perfect storm of, of injuries and uh, an early bout with uh, COVID that just kind of sunk them. So I wonder, I think they're actually a lot better than they showed last year. So if they can bounce back, I think uh, Lambert might also be in the mix. Very cool. And lastly, I'll just uh, throw up my, uh, this is my projected, actually I'll throw up, this is the uh, this is the top scoring right wingers according to NHL.com. I know guys move around; it's it's harder and harder to narrow down positions these days. But these are the top scoring right wingers from last year, and this is my prediction for top scorers. I'm not bullish on Tampa Bay this year, except Kucherov because he's missed time. The other guys have played so much, um, and and. I, I think Tage Thompson has steps up. I think Svechnikov has a bit of year. I think Mark Stone has a bounce back because of Jack Eichel. Uh, but, you know, everybody has their predictions, and this is what I'm looking at for, for right wingers this year. What are your thoughts on this, and uh, do you think anybody else maybe I'm, I'm missing out on or not giving enough credit? Uh, I like the Kucherov pickup there. I think he's uh, going to be really good value in drafts. I think a lot of people are, are scared off by, uh, yeah, some of the, the injury concerns you mentioned, but... His points per game um, have been off the charts. They always are. So if, if he can stay healthy, yeah, I can see him having a huge year. I also like your uh, inclusion of Vladimir Tarasenko in a contract year. Um, mm. He seems to be a guy that plays plays really well. Um, you know, nobody wanted him last year in a trade. He came out, had a great season, I think, in a contract year. He could uh, he could do the same again. But, yeah, I think uh, this, this list looks pretty complete. Um, yeah, I think you could also have maybe William Nylander on there could mm. be uh, – for a big year, but uh, yeah, that's good. You know, that's one thing about fantasy is knowing, you know, this is a contract. Like John Klingberg, I think it's a contract year for year. I think he's going to be big. Yeah. I, I put him in the Norris conversation because I think he's going to have a big ba- bounce back. And also, I have him in fantasy, and I like to push out positive karma to my players sometimes. So give them a big a bit of a boost. But a contract year is such a big thing to know about uh, when a player, because we often see the motivation goes up quite a bit. Yeah, like it's a prove-it deal for Klingberg. And you look at someone like Nazem Kadri last year, took advantage of it, right? Had a huge fantasy season. So, yeah, definitely stuff to watch for. Yeah, guys uh, betting on themselves for sure. Michael, this has been uh, a lot of fun. Uh, Next week when we're chatting, we are actually going to be talking about guys and fantasy points already. We can get into some specific matchups. It's going to be a lot of fun, and I know people are going to enjoy your stuff, uh, obviously, at Sportsnet, uh, at Goalie Post, uh, Dauber Hockey, and we're going to give away a Dauber Hockey Fantasy Guide here uh, when we wrap up as well. So thank you so much, uh, as always, uh, for joining me every Thursday, and I can't wait for the season to start tomorrow and the real season, the actual season, to start next week. Thanks so much, man. No problem. Looking forward to the real games. Thanks, Dean. There is uh, Michael Amato.
I don't know what is going on with the, the keyboard, but that was fun. I, like, I think it's interesting. Sometimes you just look at, like, oh, who's the best players? Oh, they, I'm going to try to draft these best players. But you need to know contract year, type of coach, coaching change, all these different things uh, play huge roles in uh, playing time and, and all kinds of things like that. Um, okay, so... If you would like to win a Dauber Hockey Fantasy Guide, here's the question. You have to be in our Twitch chat. You have to drop the answer in the Twitch chat. First person to answer this question will win a Dauber Fantasy Hockey Guide. All right. In that conversation we just had with Mike... Name the first coach we talked about. Who was the first coach we talked about in that segment? He's the first ever head coach in the NHL. That's your hint. And he replaced a Stanley Cup champion. That's your other hint. If you can drop the name of the first coach Mike and I discussed in the Twitch chat, I will be getting in your hands a Dauber Hockey Fantasy Guide, and they are awesome. Up to date. They, up, they updated them recently. The, the one I have is a little bit uh, old. I haven't updated, but they've updated, and it's, it's going to help you. Uh, even if your draft is over, it is going to help you find the right guys. And Arnie gets it. Lane Lambert. There you go, Arnie. We will get the Fantasy Guide emailed to you uh, directly, uh, Commissioner Andrea will get that sent out. Thank you very much for playing along, Arnie. I like that. I didn't hear you from you all show, and then you drop in Elaine Lambert. Nice. So what did you think of the, the conversation uh, we had? Uh, as we'll run through it again, we talked about Lane Lambert. Will his style be much different from Barry Trotz? He's been with Barry Trotz for 11 years as an associate coach. He's got a PhD. How about Peter DeBoer in Dallas? The big thing for Michael was that a guy like Miro Heiskanen might really develop the way Peter DeBoer has developed defensemen in different spots. Eric Carlson, uh, Shea Theodore. So maybe this is the year Heiskanen gets it going, and he's taken two teams to the finals. This guy has barely been unemployed in the uh, National Hockey League. Florida, Jersey, San Jose, Vegas, Dallas. Just goes from uh, job to job. And then... There's Bruce Cassidy. Is the goaltending going to be as good in Boston? But the players might be happier. Don't count out the Bruins with Jim Montgomery, and then maybe that's the big reason the Vegas Golden Knights and Kelly McCrimmon went out and snagged Bruce Cassidy because he can help the goaltending, and they knew Robert Lehner was going to be out, and they need some goaltending help. So that's very interesting. Uh, we both think uh, Kane and Taves get traded. The legacy player thing is overrated. Um, and, you know, what team wouldn't take either of these guys uh, at the deadline or before? And Jack Campbell playing in Edmonton. 47 games last year he started. That's a career high. He's going to have to push that, in my opinion, to be the unequivocal starter in Edmonton. And finally, we wrapped up with the talk about Johnny Gaudreau. I think those totals will take a hit this year. Uh, I think Johnny Gaudreau, yeah, I think he's uh, still going to be successful, but I don't see him scoring 40 goals, and I don't see him uh, putting up 70-plus assists. Uh, he, he might be able to do the assists if, if Patrick Laine can get back to 40 or, or close to 50 goals. 
we shall see. And our team preview today, the San Jose Sharks, uh, a club that I believe is has a decent options in the top six, uh, certainly four options in their top six, a couple in the blue line. Um, and the goaltending is a bit of a question mark. Artie lurks in the shadows. Okay, we'll get that out to you uh, shortly. Uh, Commissioner Andrea will get that out. And here, uh, one more run through Major League Baseball schedule. Game one tomorrow, 12.07 Eastern. That's AL wildcard game number one. At 2.07 Eastern, the NL gets going. Zach Wheeler, Jose Quintana. The heck are the Cardinals thinking? Then we move into 407 Mariners at Blue Jays. Luis Castillo, Alec Manoa, Seattle in the postseason for the first time since 2001. And for me, the matchup I can't wait to watch, Hugh Darvish, Max Scherzer, and then Jacob DeGrom, Blake Snell in Game 2. Whoever loses this series between the Mets and the Padres is going to be the most disappointed for sure because they had a much better season than this and should have. And if Fernando Tastis isn't screwing around, maybe the Padres are much better than they were. Uh, Big story, Jason Robertson signed last night his deal with the Dallas Stars. And this is my advice for start-sit tonight uh, between the Colts and... The Broncos. I don't think it's going to be that good of a game, actually. That's just me. All right. Big thanks today to Andy McNamara. Use the hashtag AskAndy on social media. We will find you. It's like the bat signal. He can get your answers for week number five in fantasy football. And Mike Amato of Dauber Hockey Sportsnet and the goalie post giving us the lowdown on some coaching changes, some player movement, and more. You can catch anything you missed today on YouTube. Just search for Ultimate Fantasy Sports Network. We'll get that up later today as well. You can catch these in audio format anytime, wherever you find your podcast, the best podcast, Ultimate Fantasy Sports Network. Thank you so much for joining me on the program today. We're back again. Casual Friday, best of Friday tomorrow. We will chat then. Thanks now. Bye-bye. 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 Bye-bye.